Hey, this is Mitch Rose. I'm the lead pastor of City Hills Church, and this is our podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message encourages you, it inspires you, it challenges you to live your best life. Take a listen. Here's this week's message. All right, you're a second service, so I'm trusting you to preach with me today. Uh, we are in uh, this study of Proverbs. Masterclass is actually a, an online uh, web series teaching you different uh, topics and different, you know, you can take an online master class for public speaking or for cooking or for comedic writing or songwriting. But honestly, this book is a master class on living. Amen, everybody? And, and so I, I want to give you kind of a, I love preaching the opening weekend of a new series because I kind of get to lay the foundation for you for the next six weeks of this series. And by the way, I wouldn't miss a single week of it. It's really, really, really going to be some of the best stuff we, uh, that, that I bring you all year. I really believe that. Uh, but I want to give you an overview of who Proverbs is. And today's kind of a foundation, so don't get, you know, don't get discouraged. You didn't get a whole lot. To, or you think, man, this isn't good today. I want you to take good notes. I want you to look judgmentally at people who don't take notes in church and and, and make them feel terrible about not bringing something to take good notes in church. The book of Proverbs is written by a man named Quoheleth. Uh, by the way, if you're looking for a boy name for your new baby, Quoheleth um, is a good true story. His name's Quoheleth in, in the Hebrew. It's Solomon. Um, but I like Quoheleth. I would go back. You know, you know how you change your name like in your teenage years? You're like, Mama, don't call me Solomon. Call me Quoheleth, <laughs> you know, and... Anyway, so Solomon writes the book of Proverbs. He actually writes three books in the Old Testament. Uh, Solomon writes the Song of Solomon. Uh, how many of you have read the Song of Solomon? Anybody? Yeah? It's uh, PG-13. Um, it's about relationships, and it's about love and romance. And Solomon had to write that in his 20s because... He could keep up. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? Like, it just, he just had a little bit more energy in his life. Are y'all going to preach with me today? <laughs> he just had a little bit more energy, and so he was writing about the one he loved, whose navel was like a goblet anyway. At the end of his life, that's true. At the end of his life, Solomon writes the book of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes really is, if you read it, you can get kind of discouraged because Solomon kind of takes the approach that everything under the sun is vanity. He actually calls it meaningless, that, that everything under the sun is meaningless. And, and in old age, you kind of realize, now that's not negative, by the way. What he was saying was, if you only live your life for what's under the sun, you'll waste your whole life. It's meaningless. We need to live our lives for things that are beyond the sun, Say amen to that. we got to live for eternity. But Solomon had to live a while to be able to, to get that perspective on, on life. So right in the middle of his life, sometime in his 40s probably, Solomon is writing the book of Proverbs, his most famous writing. And, and somebody said, you know, why, do, why would you study, you know, of all the books of the Bible we could do a sermon series on? Why would you do a sermon series on wisdom and specifically on the book of Proverbs? I'll tell you why. Proverbs 4 and 7 says it like this. That wisdom is, everybody shout supreme. supreme. Wisdom is supreme. Well, if wisdom is supreme, I think we ought to, it ought to be supreme in our sermon series. It ought to be supreme in your Bible study. It ought to be supreme. And matter of fact, the Bible goes on to say not just is wisdom supreme, but I want you to get you some. 
You need to write that in your notes. You get, get you some. Like get, I need to get me some wisdom in my life. Like I, I got to go find it. And then it goes further than that. I love this. He says, it may cost you everything you've got, but I want you to go get it. Uh, it's so supreme in your life. And here's, here's what I think this verse means, that there, there are things in your life you may have to give up. It may cost you uh, some relationships that are not good for you. It may cost you some decisions and some go and some forgiveness and some repentance and it may cost you some friends. It may cost you a job or a promotion. But whatever it costs you, you need to live your life in wisdom. Can I get a better amen, everybody? You need to live in wisdom. The Hebrew word used for wisdom in Proverbs actually means skilled living. It does not mean knowledge. Now listen, look at me. It does not mean what I know, not head knowledge. Wisdom is applied knowledge. Wisdom is, I I know what to do, but I'm going to apply what to do in my life. Knowledge just says, I know, I know, but, but it's more than that. And when you apply knowledge in your life... Everything gets better in your life. Can I get a good amen? Your life just works better. Let me say it better this way. You ever seen someone who knows how to diet but still is a little husky? Why y'all looking up here at a brother like that? Licking my lips because it's lunchtime. You ever met someone who knows how to budget but still is in debt? Knowing is not enough. I like to say that. Write this down in your notes. I wrote a couple of it. Knowledge, knowledge pilots the Titanic, but wisdom avoids the icebergs. Right? Knowledge knows how to do something. Wisdom knows where to drive the thing that I'm driving. Not, not, uh, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. Knowledge can build a house, but wisdom can build a home. It's amazing to me the people that get mar- marriage license is the only license you can get without a test. I think they ought to test you. You know, like, do you really know what you're doing here? You know, or, or like when you have a baby, you ever met someone that you can't believe the nurses actually let them take their kids home? I met I met I met people in this church that I think, how in the world did they? If they can do it, anybody can do it. Come on. Knowledge can, <laughs> knowledge can build a house, but wisdom is a good father, a godly mother, a, the right kind of husband, and, and the wife that honor. Are you with me, everybody? Wisdom knows how to build. One, one, one more. Knowledge can study God. Wisdom walks with God. And I've met a lot of Christians who, who, who have a lot of knowledge, and then they just want to study and study. And study. Jesus one time said, you think, you think reading, he talking to the Pharisees, he said, you think reading this book gives you life. You're missing me. I am this book. I feel like preaching this service. Thank you for telling me that I could preach whoever said that. I, I, knowledge says, oh, I just want to know all the, all the Hebrew meanings of all this. Wisdom says, I want to know how to apply this so my life changes. So I'm pleasing to God. So I'm not trying to please you. I'm trying to please God with my life. Can I get a better amen, everybody? So knowledge studies God. Wisdom walks with God. And I, I think the thing I love the most about our church, honestly, is this, is this fact. 
That I don't want you, I don't want to, I don't want a church full of people that know about God. I want a church full of people that know God. I want I don't want you to just have a bunch of head knowledge. I want you to have a relationship that's deep and vibrant and it changes your life. Let me say it like this. If your life is the same that it's always been and you come to this church, we we got to change. I, I, something's got to change because I want you to have such an encounter with God that you're walking with God in wisdom and your marriage is better and your finances are better and your health is better and your mind is better. It's, it's skilled, applied knowledge. And if you'll apply, here's my promise to you. If you'll apply the next six weeks of your life, listen. And you won't miss a week and you'll be here and you'll dive into this book with me. I promise you this, your life is going to change for the better. I promise you that. Let me give you the big idea for this series. And I didn't put it on the screen or in your notes, but here's the big idea really for the overarching series. But it certainly is for today's message and it's this. It's that wisdom comes from God. Write that in your notes. I didn't put it on the screen, but write it in your notes. Wisdom comes from God. Wisdom does not come from CNN or Fox News i got to get both of you. Wisdom does not come from the Washington Post or the New York Times. Wisdom does not, it certainly doesn't come from Facebook. Are you with me? Uh, Even though I know you're a licensed epidemiologist on Facebook, that's not where wisdom comes from. And you're not, you don't have a, a PhD in Middle Eastern foreign affairs. Wisdom doesn't come from your buddy in high school that knows somebody who knows somebody at the CDC, okay? Wisdom comes from God. It, and we live in this world that we think, well, you know, I, got, I know what I want. I know what it is. And I, I know God is the final authority. I want to walk with the God who has the answers for my life. I want to submit my life to the God who has all the answers for my life. And it's more than a Proverbs uh, it's more than a proverb study. Listen, honestly, I, I decided to preach this series to you based on a New Testament verse that's found in Ephesians. Paul writes to the church in Ephesians in the New Testament, and he says, be very careful then how you live. If I were to give 2021 a verse, it would be this one. Be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but I want you to be wise in the 21st century. And I want you to make the most of every opportunity. I'm telling you, if I put a verse on this, on the culture we live in, this would be it, Ephesians 5.15, because the days are evil. Let me just pause here and look at you and tell you, we are not an issues-driven church. We're never going to be activists. We're, we're, that's just not who we are. If you want some kind of church like that, that's always marching and canceling stuff and, and doing that, that's just not us. That's not who we are. But I am going to tell you the truth of God's Word. And the truth of the Word is this. The days are getting more evil and they're doing so rapidly. Jesus is coming back, everybody. And the days are getting worse. Therefore, here's how I want you to live. Don't be foolish. I want you to understand. I want you to have wisdom about what God's will is. I want you to be able to face an ever-changing culture, which it is, at a rapid pace. And I don't want it, listen, I don't want it to be your opinion or my opinion or Fox News's opinion or my Facebook's opinion. I want to know what God's opinion is and I'm going to line my life up to this book and this book only. Can I get a good amen from everybody in the room? 
because we live in this culture right now. I'm, this is kind of my candy stick, so you're going to have to let me get on this for a minute, and then I'll get back to preaching, okay? We live in this world that feels like you can have your own truth. I laugh just like that. That you, you just, li- you don't, oh, pastor, this is, I'm living my truth. I identify as a 6'2 skinny brother on the spurs. That's my truth. <laughs> you don't get to live. I, I came across a quote I thought was great. You don't get to live your truth. John Acuff says it like this, an author. He says, living my truth is a great approach to life as long as you're the only person on the planet. But it falls apart as a guiding principle as soon as you bump into another human who's living their truth that happens to be in direct conflict with your truth. Because both of you can't have truth and they'd be different. Because you don't have your own truth. The Bible said, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Wisdom comes from God. Not from me, not from you, not from culture, not from science. Wisdom comes from God. I don't care how many degrees. You you can have more degrees than a thermometer. And wisdom doesn't come from you. Wisdom comes from Man, I'm preaching good today. Proverbs even says it like this. I, I just think this is where we are. You see a man who's wise and who has his own truth. There's, there's more hope for a fool than for somebody who thinks, well, this is my truth. Now listen, I'm not telling you that your experience isn't real. Here's, here's what I think is happening. Let me talk to 20, 30s, and 40-year-olds. Let me talk to young millennials, Gen Z, Gen X. Look at me. Because we're, we're the ones, and I is one, Okay. We're the, one, we're the ones who, who are propagating this my truth business. Look at me. You're, you're misunderstanding your experiences for your truth. No one is invalidating your experiences. Your experiences are valid, but they're not your truth. They're just your experiences. You, we, we are misinterpreting our opinions for our truth. Your opinions are valid. You can have an opinion. You just can't have your own facts. This is the only truth. And my experience may be different than this, but listen, here's what I've decided and here's what I hope you decide. I'm going to change my life to line up with this, not change this to line up with my life. Can I get a good amen right there, everybody? All right, okay. All right, now I'm back to preaching. So I'm going to give you week one in this sort of foundational book of Proverbs. And if you nerd out on this kind of stuff, and I do, then, then you're going to like this week. But Proverbs has 31 chapters, and I've already told you that. You can read one of those chapters every day, but, but it's kind of divided up. And it's divided like this. The first nine chapters, Proverbs 1 through 9, is, is really a case for wisdom. Solomon really doesn't give you any Proverbs until chapter 10. When you go to chapter 10 through 31, so the last 21 chapters... Then, then each of the verses kind of stand alone as a proverb. You know, it would be something about your marriage. And then something about your kids. And then something about your finances. And then some, you know, something about your attitude. And something about joy. And, 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 they'll, you can, and, and, and we'll get to that. And you can stand alone on all of that. But that doesn't start till chapter 10. The first nine chapters are really just a case for wisdom. It's, it's, it's Solomon trying to convince you in the first third of the book that you actually need to live a wise life, that, that, that it will save you from a lot of heartache. As a matter of fact, every man in the room and every man at church online 
You, you ought to read chapters 5, 6, and 7 today. It'll save you a bunch. It's, a, it's, it's about how to keep yourself uh, right and, and how to avoid crazy women. None of y'all, but in first service, there's one or a few. Anyway, so I'm, not, I'm, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. It, but it will save you a lot of heartache. And, and so Solomon takes nine chapters to talk about the, making a case for wisdom. Matter of fact, he often refers to wisdom as a female. He'll talk about wisdom as a her. There's always a few of you, yeah. I was letting that, I was just, I was going to let y'all get it over with and then we can go on that wisdom is a woman, whatever. In chapters, chapters one through nine, though, there are four types of people who are mentioned. And honestly, they're mentioned the rest of the book too. But chapters four through nine, it's really, and, and, and here's what I want to tell you today is that everybody finds themselves in one of these four ways. And this is how you approach life. Uh, Solomon makes the case that everybody at some point in your life and, you, and you're in one of these areas and you have been in one of these areas and you will be again in one of these areas in your life. And so I want to give you those four things so when you read this book together with me, when you're in the book of Proverbs every day for 31 days, when over the next six weeks as we really dive into this, I want you to find out where you are and I want you to move in the right direction. Are you there? Okay, all right, here's the first one. Write this down. It's the simple the simple. <laughs> when I first started reading through this book, I thought, well, thanks, God. <laughs> I mean, you know, that you don't have to be mean to me, you know, and say I'm simple. I mean, but it doesn't mean like simple, like, like not all there. It means naive. It literally means that you're unwise because nobody told you, right? That you're ignorant. And there, there are times in your life and, and there are times in my life, and maybe you're there today, when you've made unwise decisions just because you didn't know any better, right? And, and, and the Bible talks about you being simple there. It's, it's just nobody told you. No, nobody warned you. No, nobody said, hey, this is not a good idea. That's not a wise idea. Don't do that. You just hadn't lived long enough. Matter of fact, Proverbs 7 and 7 says it like this. I saw among the simple, there it is, I saw among simple people, and I know, this is one of my favorite, by the way, I noticed among the young men, a youth that had no sense. <laughs> Y'all didn't find that funny as I did, but I'm going to start quoting this to a bunch of people I know that you just ain't got no sense, you know. And I love you, but you just ain't got no sense. And that's in the Bible. <laughs> You're just simple, and you ain't got no sense. But the truth, that, and, and notice it talks about young men and youth, and, and it's because this is usually when it happens in your life. You just haven't lived long enough to know everything. Right. You just and so and so you're simple. But the but what I want you to hear is it's not just for, you know, 19 year old, 18, 20 year olds. It's not just in your youth. There's a little bit of simple in all of us. Which is why, by the way, we're launching small groups today, because I want you to get around some people in your life. Usually when you're in the simple stage of your life and you're in the simple or maybe in a season of your life where you're just you're making an unwise decision because you don't know it. There's usually somebody on the sideline who does know better and they're screaming to you, don't do it. You know, like when you're 15 and you're telling everybody you're in love. I am in love. I'm in love. I'm, I love them. And, and there's somebody else a little bit older who goes, nah, bro. No, it's not real. I mean, I mean, I know you think it's love, but I, I mean, I promise you don't want to marry him. You know what I mean? I've seen his daddy and you don't want to, you, you don't want to do that. And I, you know, I, like I just know better. So we have small groups 
And not because I think you're simple, but because there's some other people in your life who you need, who've walked through something, who need to look at you and go, hey, 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 I've been here before. I've made this mistake before. Don't go this way. You ought to shout amen to them. It's why every single person in church today needs to join a small group today. Because you need, I need someone. You need someone. Everybody needs someone who goes, hey, I've been here before and maybe you don't know. You just don't have any sense about this. But I've ruined a marriage. I've messed up my finances. I've gotten addicted. I fell off into pornography. I know what this will do. Let me warn you about this. It's just simple. Are you there, everybody? Uh, it's, 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 and, and honestly, there's only one cure for the simple. Write this down. The cure for being simple is just time. It's just time. You just got to live longer. So I, I say it this way. Some people say time heals all wounds. That's not true. Time doesn't heal anything. God heals everything. But time does reveal all things. So you just need someone who's, who's had some more time. Are, are you with me? All right, I got to hurry. Number two. So the simple is the first one. You'll, you'll find yourself in one of these four. All through the book of Proverbs, you'll see these four things. Number two is the fool. The fool. You'll see this person a lot in the book of Proverbs. Probably more than anything else. And the fool says this. I knew it was wrong. I just wanted to do it anyway. <laughs> so if the simple says, well, nobody told me. The fool says, oh, they told me. Uh, let me say it better this way. The fool's last famous sentence is, hold my beer. Are you watching this? Right? Or, or now, nowadays is this. Get your camera out. Are you ready? <laughs> right? That's the fool's famous last sentence. I know this is dumb. Oh, I'm going to get where y'all live now. I know I shouldn't date her. I know my pastor, my father, my uncle, my cousins, my small group leader, my team leader said don't date her. But I can handle it. Oh, I knew I wasn't supposed to take that job because it, it made me work every Sunday. But I just decided I could catch church online. And I hadn't been to church in a year. But it's okay. I knew it was wrong. I decided to get money over. Oh, I knew I wasn't I told you, I'm going to get, well, just stick with me. I'll get where you are. Oh, I knew I shouldn't have clicked through that one hashtag. because I. But I just, I wanted to see that. And before I knew it, 10 minutes later, I was off into pornography. And now I can't get out of it. Oh, I knew that I have a family history of alcoholism, so it wasn't just one drink to me. It was going to be addiction in my life, but I did it anyway because I wanted to be accepted and have fun. Are you with me, everybody? Oh, I knew I shouldn't hang out with her because she's a gossip and negative and always talks about it, but I felt like I could help her. I, just, I knew it was wrong. I just, I, I like her. I like hanging out with her. The fool says, I know this is not the right way. I just want to have fun. I just want to do it. I, I knew it's my life. It's my, it's my YOLO. <laughs> you, you only live once. You know, like I just, fools ride roller coasters. Anyway, that's beside the point. That, I mean, they just, just always looking for a thrill. Proverbs 10, 23 says, a fool finds pleasure. It's just always pleasure and wicked scheme. By the way, we're addicted to pleasure. As a culture, we're addicted to, to the next high. I just want to have fun. Why do you do what you do? Because it's fun. I just want to have fun. By the way, God didn't promise you a fun life. He promised you a fulfilled life. I just, a fool says, I just, I just want to have fun. with. It feels good, do it. If it's in front of you, do it. 
And, and there's, there's only one cure for foolishness, and it's unfortunate, honestly, this is the cure, but here's the cure. The only cure for foolishness is tragedy. We, we say it like this. Well, sometimes they have to hit. It's tragedy. It's the only, it's the only cure for foolishness. And here's what I want you to hear today. There's some tragedy that has happened in your life that's not the devil. It's just foolishness. And here's, here's the other thing I want you to hear today is if you're in the middle of tragedy or you've suffered tragedy because of a foolish time in your life, God isn't through with you. <laughs> I, you may say things like, I, I didn't mean for it to go this far. I can't believe it come to this. Here's, I just want you to hear this today as a fair warning. God doesn't create tragedy in your life, but God will use every tragedy in your life to correct you and give you a chance to fix and get back on path and go the right way. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? Like, let me say it like this. God will redeem the tragedy that you're in to help you get correct. God loves you so much. He'll take you right where you are, but He won't leave you there. He'll change some stuff in your life, in your marriage, in your mind, in your heart, in your attitude, in your speech, in your dress, in what I do. God will change me inside, outside, all around me so that I get out of my tragedy and God will redeem it for my greatest good. If I'm going to preach this good, y'all going to have to amen on this half of the room. Write this in your notes. There's purpose in your pain. If you've lived through hard times and you're in the middle of tragedy, or if you lived in tragedy, just know this. God is a restorer. Here's the next one. i got to hurry. Here's the next one that I think is really, honestly, if I were to pick a place that, that culture is today, uh, I think this is it. Uh, if I were to preach about where American culture is specifically, I think this is it. And it's the mocker. The mocker. If you read other translations, it'll be scoffer. Same, same word. The mocker. The, the mocker. The mocker is the fool on steroids, right? The mocker says, it's not, the, the fool says, well, I know it's wrong and I'm doing it anyway. But the mocker says, I'm not just going to do it wrong. I'm going to make fun of you for doing it right. Let me say it like this. The mocker are the people in your friend circle who say, why are you not doing it like I'm doing it? This is, you want to know where cancel culture comes from? Y'all didn't invent that. We didn't invent that in 2020 or 2021. It started all the way back in the book of Proverbs of people mocking and saying, well, if you don't believe it like I believe it, you're wrong. If you don't do, if you don't accept me the way I want to be accepted, then you're, and, and they'll mock and they'll troll and they'll tell you how wrong you are and they'll try to cancel you and get you. Are, are you with me, everybody? I'm just going to make fun of everybody. They'll, these are the people who try to take everybody else down with me. I like to gossip. I like drama. I don't like him. And if you want to sit by me, you're going to have to talk about them. You're going to have, they're, they're the people who want you to join and share their offense. Well, I'm offended at that. So if you're not offended at that, you're not on my team. But if you'll get offended at that, even if they didn't hurt you, God, I'm preaching now. Even if they didn't do anything to you, if you'll take on my offense, then we can be friends. You better be careful because that's a mocker. And the Bible says you don't, you don't sit with mockers and scorners and people who are around. You don't even get close. You don't even sit by them. If one of them comes sits by you, you find another. I got to find another place. I can't get close to you. You know why? Watch this. 
Proverbs 9 says it like this. Because if you correct a mocker, if you try to engage them in conversation, it invites insults on you. Whoever rebukes the wicked, a mocker, incurs abuse. Then it just comes out and says it. Don't do it. Do not rebuke mockers. Because they'll hate you. Now this is where we live, by the way. That, that, that there's mockers on social media and on news and, on, and in major and in politics. And they'll tell you this old-fashioned to believe this way. And, and I can't believe that you would support Israel like this. And I can't believe that you would support traditional marriage like this. And I can't believe that you only think God created two genders. And I can't believe that you would be... I'm, I, now, we're full of grace, and I, I want you to know all that. But we're just as full of truth here. And wisdom comes from God. And mockers would say... And if you'll engage them, it will, it will, listen, it, they'll hate you. You're not going to change their minds. You're just going to get tangled up in their web. Mockers don't want correction. And nobody can, and this is sad, but nobody can help them. Except there's one cure, and that's God. You're not the cure for a mocker. So don't engage them. I'm, I'm warning you as your pastor. I'm, I'm, I'm. Very serious today. This is the world we're living in. Don't get involved in it. Don't get tangled up in it. Don't get it. Don't, 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 just don't get weaved into it. But only God can help them. All right, here's the last one, and I got to hurry. Here's where I want you to live. I think at some point in your life, everybody's been simple. You may be there today where you got in a trap and you didn't, it's because you didn't know. And everybody's been a fool. I just I did I knew it was wrong, but I did it because I wanted to. You you may have been God. I hope that you're not at the point of a mocker where where you just you want to bring everybody else down and you're offended and hurt and and broken and so you got to break stuff around you. I hope that's not. But you may have had a season in your life when when you were that far away from God. But here's where I want I want to raise a church of people that are wise. There's only four types in the whole book of Proverbs. And this is where I want you to live. Now listen, look at me. I don't want you to be smarter. I want you to be wise. I want you, I want you to get all the help you can get from counselor. I go to a counselor. I want you to go to therapy. I want you to, I want you to do all that. I, I mean that. I'm serious. If you need medicine, get on medication. There's nothing. We, we made mental health some kind of stigma. If you've got a chemical imbalance, get some help. You're not, sickness is not sin. But wisdom didn't come from your counselor. Wisdom comes from God. I'm being honest with you. God will use, that's why I think you need a Christian counselor, because God will use them. But wisdom comes from God. I don't want you to get smarter. I don't want you to just read all the books. I want you... I don't want you to just understand the Bible more. I don't want you to just appear more spiritual. I want you to be wise. And here's the one thing that distinguishes the wise. Look at this. There's one distinguishable characteristic in the book of Proverbs of wise people. And it's this. Proverbs 9 and 9. The last chapter where Solomon makes a case for wisdom. And he says, if you'll instruct the wise, they'll be wiser still. Let me pause here. Look at me. The, the defining characteristic of a wise person is they're teachable. They're teachable. If you teach the righteous, they'll add to their learning. If, if, if you'll correct them, they'll, wise people say 
to God and to other people who love God. How can I get better? Help me get better. Help me be a better husband. Help me be a better wife. Help me be a better father. Help me be a better Christian. Help my spiritual life get better. Help me be a better young person. Help me be a better college student. Help me be better in this dating relationship. Help me be better. That's wisdom. It's teachable. Let me give you the summary, and, and, then, and then we'll close. Here, write this down. Here's the summary. And again, this is found out. I'm, I promise you, we'll get to the good stuff. I just want to, when you read Proverbs, there's going to be four, four things, and, and you're in one of those four today. So write it down like this. If you correct the simple, they just won't get you. Right? Because they don't understand. They just haven't lived long enough. If you correct the fool, they'll just ignore you. Because they, they know better. They want to do it. They just want to have fun. If you correct the mocker, they'll hate you. That's what the book says. But if you correct the wise, they'll thank you. They'll thank you. And I want you to live the next six weeks. I want, I want you to live the, the rest of your life. Going to God and godly people saying, I want to get better. Make me better from this book. I want you to have spiritual leaders in your life, small group leaders, team leaders, pastors in your life who can correct you without you being offended. Who can say, hey, I've been where you are. I see some things. I see some stuff that you need to, you need to put some guardrails around your life. You need to, some boundaries in your life. You need to work on this area of your life so that we get closer to this book. Not so we get closer to the world because we got to get closer to Jesus because Jesus is coming back, everybody. I, and, and then I want you to live the rest of your life. If I do nothing as your, as your pastor, if this would be a win, honestly, that you are wise. And when correction comes in your life, you say, thank you for that. I'm going to work on that. I need to get better. When God convicts you of something, I want you to go, thank you, God. I needed this. I want to get better. I want my life to be more like. I want you to accept the challenge to get better. Now, if you've been around City Hills very long, some of you have been here for years and years, and I love you. I'm so glad. Some of you just got here. I'm so glad you're a part of the family, too. You've been around here very long. You've heard me talk about the one-year challenge. And, and the one-year challenge goes like this, and I'm going to give it to you today. If, you, if you'll just give us a year of your life, give me one year of your life, a whole year, like from May to May, and go all in with God. Do everything I'm telling you. Get on a small group today. Lead a small group. If you've been in a small group for two or three semesters, host one. Today. Get on the growth track. Get on a dream team. Serve every other week. Sit one, serve one. Tithe 10% of your gross income. I'm telling you, go all in. Like all the chips in on the table. Pray. 21 days of prayers coming up in August. Be there at 6 o'clock every single morning. Fast with us. Read your Bible this month. Get, get, in, get in Proverbs. Read it every single day. Get, get in a small group. Get on a team. Fast. Pray. Live. Tithe. Give. Bring people to church with you. Like bring people every week. Invite, invite, invite. Bring, bring, bring. Be a soul winner. If you'll do that for one year, here's my promise to you. If your life doesn't change for the better, I'll go to a different church with you. I will. Here's how I will. I'll find another church with you. I'm that confident. 
that if you'll go all in with God, your life's going to change. If you'll apply the wisdom of this church, not just because it's me, because it's the, if you'll apply it, if you'll live a wise life, your life will change. I'll prove it to you. Because the other day I got an email from a member of our dream team who knew a lot about God. She knew about serving on the dream team. She knew about small groups. She knew about prayer. She knew about freedom. She knew about the miracle power of God in her life. But she decided to apply the wisdom of God to her life. She sent me this email. True story. Just two weeks ago. I'll try to get through it because I got really emotional in first service. I'm going to do better. Quote, I've been toying with the idea of writing my testimony down on paper for a while. Probably since last Easter when I was inspired by Travis, another member of our dream team, who was vulnerable enough to share his story. But I would start writing mine and I would chicken out thinking my experience wasn't all that exciting. If you were here last Easter or saw that message, Travis had a pretty exciting journey (laughs) to God. However, quote, this past week something happened in my life that inspired me to share the journey I've been on. The journey that's made me realize how much my growth, how much growth has taken place in my life and radical change in my faith because of City Hills Church. My very first time attending City Hills was an out-of-body experience for me. I think that's good. I accepted that as a compliment. I don't know. <laughs> At the time, I did not realize how much this new experience would impact my life. It was July 28, 2019. One week after I had found the horrible text message on my ex-husband's phone that confirmed my suspicions of his affair. I felt lost and broken. My baby, who was three at the time, woke me up that morning early as usual and I decided that we were going to get ready for the day. I didn't know what we were going to do got dressed, we got in the car and started to drive. About 10 minutes later, we arrived at the AMC movie theater. I don't even remember driving there. I really don't know that on that day I was going to end up at City Hills Church. It was like the wheel was taken over, pulled up to the church, and I didn't question it. The first service I ever heard was about the book of Philippians. It was in the summer. It was a book study. My favorite Bible verse, Philippians 4.13, was mentioned in the message, but also the idea of choosing joy. And at the time, I didn't think it was possible. How could I choose joy when my husband had been having an affair for three months without me even noticing? How could I find joy when my life was being turned upside down? Regardless of these questions, I sat in church with tears in my eyes. I felt lost, and I knew where I was supposed to be. A few weeks later, on August 25th, 2019, I got baptized. 
Still didn't know what was going to happen next in my life, but I knew I wanted to renew my faith. I grew up in church. I was baptized as an infant. But this decision was one I made for myself, knowing deep down there was more for me. I continued to attend church, and I joined a small group here and there. And I even attended Freedom, by the way. In the fall, Freedom groups are launching, and I'm asking every member of this church to get in a Freedom group. Everybody. I joined a small group, and I attended Freedom until COVID hit. Small group had become virtual, and as much as I tried to engage, it was hard. It's impossible, by the way. I was trying to take steps in the direction I felt my heart was going, but at the same time, when the world shut down, in a way, I did too. Church had become my weekly reset button, and it was hard to engage when it was all online. By the way, that's why we have to gather together in person. When it became in-person again, I knew I needed to be around people and I needed to be an in-person worship and take the message in every Sunday. So in March of 2021, just two months ago, I felt a push to go all in. You've talked about it so many times. And I would dip my toe in the water for a short period of time, but I would never... Go all in. But this time felt different. I started tithing. And I started serving in City Hills Kids. On April the 3rd, 2021, at the serve event for March, Julie invited me to come to a game night small group. And I knew it was God, because that's the small group I wanted to join anyway. But I, was, I had the tendency to use the excuse that I, I can only go every other week because of our custody schedule. and I, I can't make any friends doing that. But I was so wrong. Joining the small group, even for the last three weeks of the semester, was the best thing I could have done. It helped me really dive in, go more all in than I ever had before. <laughs> I made friends that I've been longing for since I started attending church in 2019. I feel like when I walk into church, I'm not just hiding from conversations with people, but I want to interact. My faith has grown. And the hole in my heart and lost feeling I felt that day that I walked into church for the first time is gone. It's filled with the love of God and the love of people that He's put in my life to encourage me and love on me in the hardest times of my life. Whenever I heard the message about blessing that you'll receive when you go all in, I really couldn't figure out what that would look like. But for me, it's been a lot of small things in my life that are guiding me to what's next. I have new friends, a new job, a newfound faith, a new love for Jesus and all the things have taken place just since March. I'm in awe of what God is doing in my life. This past week, I'm almost done. I was given an opportunity to go back to a position at work that I gave up when my marriage was falling apart. A position I've been praying for and I didn't think was possible. I feel like I'm finding my God-given purpose and I'm living a life without doubt because I'm choosing to believe the best is yet to come.
Sean the best that you have to come. It's the best is yet to come. I want you to live that kind of wise life. I want you to have that kind of story. Not because of this church or me or none of this. I just want God to do for you what he did for her. I want you to find the reason you're here. I want you to get on mission. I want you to find relationships that build you up. I want you to survive. I don't want you, the world is shaking more and more. I don't want you to be shaken. So, let's be wise. Let's just go all in together this summer. I'm asking you this summer to just take the challenge and don't lean out, lean in. Give more, serve more, show up more. Bring people every time. We've got some fun things planned. We'll do all the fun stuff. I promise you this summer is going to be a blast. I promise you. we got stuff for your kids, stuff for couples. This is going to be great. But just lean in and see what God can do for you. Bow your heads all over the room and at church online. I know we're a little late. I need to pray for you. Believe it or not, that was better than first service. Oh, God, thank you for Sean Kaysen. Thank you for people like her. God, I pray for people in the room today. Come on, everybody praying. I'm praying for people who find themselves in need of a little bit of wisdom. Life has gotten rocky and hard. Could have been stuff that they didn't do. Could have been something that happened to them, a text message they found. A heartache. A tragedy. They could find themselves at the bottom today and, and, and find themselves struggling with what to do next. I'm just asking you for a little bit of wisdom. God, I'm willing to sell all I have for some wisdom in this season. The world's getting worse. Decisions are getting harder. People are finding it difficult to do the right thing. The devil's increasing attacks on the church. Time's running out. We got work to do. Help me to live. Help us to live like Ephesians 5. Help us to live making the most of every opportunity. Not unwise, but wise, because the days are evil. Father, I pray for people in this room and at church online today for wisdom. For wisdom. Now, if this is for you, nobody's looking around. If you feel like you find yourself in one of these four areas today, or maybe you just you, you need a fresh touch of God in your life, and you want to be included in this prayer, would you just quickly raise your hands and say, me, 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 I see you, hands up all over the building. I need a little bit of wisdom. I see you, hands up all over the building. Thank you, God bless you. I see you, thank you, ma'am. I see you, sir, thank you. I see families, couples with their hands up, thank you. Father, I pray for people in this room right now who are seeking wisdom. God, your word says the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. We go to God for wisdom. God, I'm asking you right now for healing for hearts, people who find themselves in foolish situations. God, don't let it get to tragedy. We turn around today. We repent today. Come on, everybody. God, if I'm sitting in a place of a mocker, I'm just I'm asking you, God, save me the heartache. God, don't let it get to the point where, where I can't turn back. God, I'm, just, I'm going all in today. 
God, I want to be wise. I want to be a wise father. I want to be a good husband. I want to be a wise pastor. I want to be a wise leader. I want to be a wise small group leader. Come on, I want to be a wise teacher. I want to be wise as a police officer. I want to be wise in my office. I want to be wise. I want to be wise. I want, to, I want wisdom. I ask for wisdom. God, baptize this church with wisdom. God, help us to know which way to go. Our answer is yes. Come on. Our answer is yes. Over the next six weeks, you can unpack some stuff in my life. I'm going to get better. I'm going to learn. I surrender my life to you. Come on, tell him that again. Receive forgiveness afresh in your life. Just recommit today. Today's a good day to say yes. God, I give you my whole life. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for dying for me. I receive that forgiveness and grace afresh in my life today. I'm going to live for you every day. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shout amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. You know, it's because of you that we're able not only to bring this message to you, but we're able to offer hope and life to the San Antonio Hill Country and beyond. So if you'd like to give today, you can visit cityhillstx.com right now. And if this message blessed you, why don't you click subscribe or share this message with your friends uh, on your socials. I pray it's a blessing to others in your world. Thanks again for listening today. God bless you.